Hi, I'm Charles Galda, president of Vision New England and your host for the Church in Action program, where we talk with New England leaders about making disciples, doing justice, and sharing Jesus to accelerate evangelism and transform New England. This week, I'm talking with Gina Mueller, who is a director of 3DM North America, uh, which is a disciple-making ministry, serves churches of all different sizes as well as individuals. Gina has been part of the 3DM movement since 2008, has led in large church contexts, was a church planter, so she knows how to adapt the program for the different contexts in which she serves, uh, and recently moved to Maine, so not that far from me, but right in New England. So, Gina, great to have you with us. Good to be with you. And thanks for being a Mainer, a down Easter, I guess. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Gina, as you know, we've been spending the first three months of this year talking about the criticality of making disciples. And in these conversations, we talk about the hallmarks of disciples, thinking that it's good to know what we're aiming for. And so uh, what we've been using as those hallmarks uh, is, is... People who are biblically biblically literate, sorry, not biblically illiterate, biblically literate, <laughs> uh, evidence the fruits of the Spirit and are, are showing evidence of being transformed continually to be more like Jesus. Is that a good operating definition or would you tweak or add or delete? I feel like those are, are strong components for sure because we don't just want converts, right? We want actual disciples who are truly following Jesus, who converts just believe in Jesus, right? Converts believe that God is real, uh, whereas disciples are are learning how to be radically obedient to the ways of Jesus. I, I think the challenge for us or the hard part for us is that in general, the church has focused on knowledge-based discipleship uh, and, and less so on obedience-based discipleship. And so what we have today is we've got lots of people inside of our churches who have done lots of things like Bible studies. Um, they've heard sermon after sermon. Uh, and so they've collected lots of information, but they haven't necessarily put it into practice. And so if following Jesus really is, is making Jesus the leader of our life, we want people to fall so in love with Jesus that they're willing to do anything for him, yeah. right? And so that includes things like loving the least, the last, the lost, and the lonely. And I feel like as I think about discipleship, what I love is that there's so many um, so many parallels between discipleship and parenting or raising mm-hmm. kids. Um, and I feel like for me as a parent, my goal is to raise confident, competent, responsible adults who move out, right? And they, they actually start their own families. And so everything that I do as a parent is really to help them get ready for that. And that feels similar to me in making disciples. I think sometimes we forget that multiplication and reproduction is really the yeah. goal. Um, and so the thing that I would add, I think, is the multiplication piece that every disciple multiplies or makes more disciples so they they do it too right absolutely and and it's interesting you say that because well two things you made me think of one is um when you talk about we've been focused more on knowledge-based discipleship given so we didn't do a great job on the transformational discipleship so we focused on knowledge-based discipleship and based on the high level of biblical illiteracy it would seem we weren't doing a great job there in some cases too It's tricky, right? It's hard. Right. And, yeah. and the other thing is this this now you do it piece uh, has come up in a couple of our conversations. Gordon McDonald, I think, was the first one yeah. to raise it. Uh, and he put it in the context of the rabbinical contract. So what Jesus is doing with the rabbis yes. was a methodology known in their day. And it was. And at some point it ends now. And if you're going to continue growing, you need to go do that. That's exactly uh, right. 
Exactly. That's, that's an important one for us to hear, as was this nuance you just teased out, too, of there's a difference between a believer and a disciple. And so can you just yeah. say that again? I just yeah. want to I want to make sure we hear that. Yeah, I, I feel like we don't just want converts who believe in Jesus or believe that God is real. Mm-hmm. We want disciples who are followers of Jesus. And that means they're learning to reorient their their lives around the way of Jesus. Now, now why is that important? Um, boy, I feel like as I'm, everything for me is, is how did Jesus do it? Right. I I feel like there's the obvious thing of Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say go and make converts. And and he didn't say go. Um, Some of us hear go and we think missions, right? There's some words after go. (laughs) That's right. Yep. And, and I think some of the awkward part is that sometimes we think it's go and build the Mm -hmm. church, but Jesus said, make disciples and his job is building Mm -hmm. the church. Um, And so what feels important for me as I'm, as I'm thinking about discipleship, especially here, honestly, in the new England context is discipleship is Jesus's strategy for reaching the Mm -hmm. world. And I think sometimes we think about discipleship as like an inward self growth strategy to make us better Christians but it was it was literally Jesus' strategy to reach the world. I don't think we can escape the missional impulse of his discipleship strategy and what that produced. I heard someone say recently that every generation is a new great commission. Mm-hmm. So every new generation, they get to, to figure out what it looks like to, to bring the good mm-hmm. news to every single person living on the planet in this very moment. And that feels interesting to me. And and so why is it, and I think you just, you touched on something that, that, that is important to us because you talk about, especially in New England, right? So New England is, is different. It's not always as different as we like to think it is, but there's a lot of unique yep. differences in New England that were, it's a minefield if we don't know them. And, and so yep. why is it important in New England? What I heard you say is if, to do effective evangelism, you need to be a disciple. Am I reading too much into what you're saying or is that fair? No, I think the, the language that I like to use is, again, for me, it, it always goes back to the way of Jesus. What do we see in Jesus's life and leadership and what that produced? And what I see when Jesus made disciples, his disciples were missionaries. That's what his, that's what his investment and his discipleship in their lives produced. And so for me, I feel like we've separated those two things somewhere along the line. And so we feel like discipleship is one thing. And like being a missionary is a different thing. But when I look at the Gospels and what Jesus's discipleship strategy produced, to me, being a disciple means that you are a missionary, that those two things are synonymous, mm-hmm. that they go together. Right, which is the, the go part, right? As you're going, make disciples. Yeah. And, and it, yeah. it does remove some of our excuses around evangelism. Because if you think about our evangelism, if, if Barn is right, 85% of evangelicals will not share their faith with anybody this year. And one, yeah. one leader told me, so of course not, we don't love people enough. And right <laughs> no, right. And it's, it's hard to argue yeah. with that because it's, we let other things get in the way of being a disciple means I love, and I'm willing to disadvantage myself. Right. And That's if I'm right. a, dis- a disciple, I don't get to say, well, I'm, a, I'm afraid, right. Because somebody else said, well, that fear doesn't come from God. Right. And then there's the, I don't yeah. know enough. And like, well, aren't we supposed yes. to know what Jesus taught? Right. And so, it kind of is we're, if we're serving as a disciple, it kind of knocks down our excuses to tell people about Jesus, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. I think the challenge is here's, here's 
here's what I see. The challenge is um, the way that we've been doing church is we put an expert at the center. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like um, from the time someone becomes a believer or if they've grown up in church, um, we're constantly reinforcing the idea that it's actually the experts do all of that. So you have to know enough before you start teaching someone else, or you have to, you know, it's the, it's the people who go to seminary who can actually understand scripture. And so I feel like, unfortunately, the way that we've been doing church, and sometimes that's inherited, we inherited that model, but, but I feel like sometimes the way that we've been doing church actually reinforces the idea that everyday people can it's, do it's it. A, it's a great point. You know, I was just meeting with some pastors yesterday, and we we're talking about, for some of us, evangelism is, I invite my friend to church. And there's nothing wrong with inviting yeah. your friend to church, but I've now, now I, my Absolutely. job is get them there. Now, pastor, that's your job, right? Yes. Discipling my children is getting them to the youth group. Now, pastor, that's your job, right? And so I, yes. so we, we farm out all of this work and that's not the model yeah. that Jesus would say. So, it, so it, it, is it fair to say the great commission is not a merely a collective command to go make disciples, but an individual command is what I'm hearing you say too. Here's the thing. I would say that it's both, but I'm going to define the collective a little bit okay. differently because I don't think that it's the institution of church. I don't think it's the church's job in terms of what happens inside of a building, mm-hmm. but I do think that it's both. It is our individual, uh, the ways that we're leaning into following Jesus includes being a missionary. So I don't think I, when I look at the gospels, I, I just don't see a whole lot of wiggle room around that, 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 being a, the way that Jesus made disciples turned them into missionaries. So I think that there is an invitation and even a command, right? Jesus says, go and make disciples and teach them how to obey. So there's a, there is a personal invitation for us in that, which I think to each one of us individually is what feels challenging for all the reasons that you named, right? I think there's, a, there's so many people that are like, I don't know how to have a spiritual mm-hmm. conversation with right. my neighbor. I don't feel equipped um, to do those things. And so there's, there's an individual challenge for us to join Jesus in what he's already doing in the world mm. around us, right? That's the individual piece. But here's what's interesting to me. When I look at um, every time Jesus sent the disciples out, he always sent them in pairs. Mm. So there's something communal to me about the way that Jesus sent them on mission. And there seemed to be this like community that as they're engaging with um, the people who weren't yet following God around them, they were actually inviting them into like an extended spiritual family kind of environment. So this is the invitational part. It feels challenging to us as individuals to go on mission because of all of the reasons that we've named. However, when we see mission as a team sport, meaning we go together, like we've got people that, um, that are, on that have the same vision and they're on mission with us. What that means is I don't have to have every single gift, spiritual gift, personality trait, answer to every question. Because if I invite um, somebody who doesn't know Jesus around other believers who frankly aren't going to be weird with (laughs) non-Christians, right? If we've got a family that's going on mission together and I trust them with my non-Christian friends, with, with my friends, um, you know, that, that don't yet know Jesus. What happens is 
we there's there's an invitational part of of us being able to go together does mm -hmm. that make sense yeah. it feels like it's both an individual and a communal kind yeah. of thing where i don't get a pass but mission gets to be a team sport uh, that's a great point and and so how much do you see um the notion of well look i'm biblically literate and now i want to tell you about jesus but I'm missing things like the evidence of the fruit of the spirit or the things I'm posting on social media, which shock, right? which shock Jesus for sure. Um, and, and so that the, the life doesn't match up with how much does that get in the way? That's a great question because here's the challenge. None of us mm -hmm. are perfect. All of us are going to be on a journey with Jesus till the day yep. that we die, but character matters. Mm -hmm. uh, and so so part of our discipleship journey is the character piece of us honestly submitting to the Lordship of Jesus in all of those areas um, where his priorities become our priorities, where, you know, be, being a disciple means that over time we learn to sound like Jesus, think like Jesus, talk like Jesus, become who Jesus would be if he were mm -hmm. us. And so the character stuff matters because we want them, we want people who are far from God to experience the kingdom of God when they're right. with us. Yep. So the character stuff matters. That's great. And, and so we've talked about some of the challenges and issues we see out there. What is 3DM doing in this space? Yeah. So our, our methodology is, um, I feel like it's simple. I, there's no new shiny thing, right? Unfortunately, there's not a silver yeah, we, bullet. We'd I like a six-week program that I can implement next week exactly. and we're done, right? Exactly. Exactly. But to beat the drum, for me, it always goes back to the way that Jesus did things. So here's what I see. Um, Jesus picked a few and he gave them everything that he got, that, that he had, mm -hmm. right? So if we were to, the, the way that we encourage people to make disciples is pick a few and really invest in them, like really disciple them, not invite them into a group <laughs> that's an hour and a half per week right. or whatever it is, right? But you're really inviting them into your life and, and actually disciple them and then train them how to do the same thing with other, other people. Um, we use, at 3DM, we use simple tools. Uh, we found that if you're, gonna, if you're gonna train people how to do things like hear God's voice, and take radical steps of obedience or truly reorient your life around the way of Jesus, which means recognizing the people in your life that are far from God and knowing how to have spiritual conversation. Like we need simple tools so that it's not just the experts that can do it, that everyday people can do it. So I feel like simple tools is really helpful. Yes. So people can do it, but also so that, that, that everyday people can teach other people how to do it. Um, so that's part of the strategy for us. Um, and so for us, it's both coming alongside of the everyday person so that they can get traction in becoming more like Jesus and learning how to do the things that Jesus did, but also coming alongside churches and ministries and denominations to actually help them either shift culture if they, if they're an existing kind of church, or if they're, if they're planting a new ministry, um, or church, help them create culture 
but what we want them to create is this discipling culture where what they're producing are disciples who are a whole lot more like the kind of disciples that Jesus you, made. And you just hit on something. We're here, we've heard, I think, from almost every one of our guests so far is that this is a culture change in your church. Right? It's not a Absolutely. program. It's not a class. And it's not something you talk about two Sundays yeah. from the pulpit and now it's solved. It's that... I wish it were that easy. It, if it was, we'd be doing it a lot better, right? That's and so, right. but it is, right. is a years long effort and a lifetime effort. Yes. And and so, what yes. are some of the tools you would talk about? Give us some examples of what you mean by tools. Yeah. So we um, one of the tools is is um, it's a, a triangle, which again sounds mm-hmm. funny. It's a it's a triangle. The thing the thing about that is it's showing people um, up in and out. Um, which is another way of saying, what is the, what is a Jesus shaped life look like? We see Jesus pursuing relationship with the father that's in the up dimension. So growing a life of prayer, um, getting, carving out time to be with the father, learning how to dig for God's presence ourselves. That's the up dimension. The in dimension is, um, growing a radical kind of shared life community sort of thing, like vulnerable community, discipling people, Um, you know, that's like the inward component of believers of the church. The outward component is Jesus never lost sight of his mission to seek and save the lost. So how do we train um, believers to have this outward component um, where they're living on mission and and joining God in what he's already doing? It's easy for us to miss in the language in the gospels when people are going to be with Jesus. That the, The word there, I remember in at least John, the words abide, right? I want to abide with you, right? It's not just, I'm going to come along right? On Tuesdays That's at right. noon, right? It's, it's we're right. life yeah. together, which, which right. I, I've thought back a couple of times since we've been having these conversations about the necessity of relationship to accountability. And so, so Gina, yeah. we, you know, you can't tell me I'm selfish without risking breaking our relationship, yeah. right? Cause I'm not gonna be your friend anymore now, but, but That's if we right. know and love each other, you get to tell me things like that, that I don't see about myself. Um, that I probably need to hear. I think I'm selfish. Nobody, I don't think I'm 30 years as a Christian. Anybody's ever told me I'm selfish. They probably should, yep. <laughs> right? yep. but it's, but they've got to be to have the kind of relationship where I can hear that and trust that. Um, and, yeah. and that's, I think in our busy workaday yeah. life, those relationships are, are limited for us if they exist at all. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you say to me though? I'm like, okay, well, Gina, I love this idea of being with people and right. really investing in them and, but I'm busy. I got a job. I got, right. I keep the nursery at church. I do, right. And I'm an introvert on top of it. And so what do you love that? Right, right. So, so what, yeah. what do you say to me? We use the analogy of uh, the rocks in the jar. I'm sure that you've seen kind of that in-person analogy where you've got the big rocks and you've got the mm-hmm. small rocks. And if you put all the small rocks into the jar first, then the big rocks don't mm-hmm. fit. Right. But if you put the big rocks in the jar first, then all the small rocks will filter down around it. And I think um, here's the thing. All of us are busy. The question is, do our priorities line up with the priorities of Jesus? Um, And and the alignment part is is the discipleship journey. Mm -hmm. Aligning our lives with the priorities of Jesus is sometimes painful it, it requires hard decisions. We're, we're, you know, redeciding how we spend our time, who we spend our time with. Yeah. It's kind of like um, going to the orthodontist and getting braces. It's the alignment part when our, when we're, when we're being realigned, it hurts sometimes. 
And that's the discipleship journey is realigning our lives and our priorities around the way of Jesus. So the question is, what are the big rocks in the jar? And how do we, what's the filter that we're using for making some of those decisions? And a lot of that is there's a lot of demands placed on me that I'm responding to as opposed to figuring out the big rocks first, right? And saying, well, now if I have those figured out, I can say no to some of those demands and accept there's a trade-off. Right. And implications to that. But but recognize there's also trade off and implications if you don't. Right. Yeah. And and so is so is it so the the triangle going back to the triangle for a second, that sounds like, hey, this is a way to think about things and a way to start to crystallize some concepts in our lives. Um, and, and is, is it, is that most of the, the tools that you're going to have? Is it stuff to, to force us to think about things differently or are there other, or are there tools about like, how do I figure out who I should be doing this with? And, and what does it look like when we get together versus just, we had a nice lunch. Are there some tools around that too? All of it, Charles, all of it. I feel like, so there's the super simple Mm -hmm. tools that we're training everyday people with, uh, things like. Um, the learning circle helps uh, train people how to hear God's voice and actually respond to it, to do the things, take risky steps of obedience to the things that they're hearing God say. Um, we have the leadership square that actually teaches us how to um, multiply ourselves mm-hmm. to make more leaders um, rather than just, uh, you know, make more converts or whatever. Um, we've got the semicircle that teaches people rest and work how to lean both into covenantal relationships, but also kingdom purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so all of that, as we take churches through a process of culture shift, um, we engage churches in all sorts of things um, to help them assess the kind of culture that like, what's their starting place? What's their, what is um, and help them get really clear on that so that they can create a strategy towards um, shifting towards you know, what could be, what will be. It, it's interesting. And so far, it just dawned on me in all of our conversation on this so far that you and I've had, I have not heard you once say what I do on Sunday morning, right? It, it, I'm hearing you talk about what I do in my neighborhood, my friends, my work, right? It's, it's not, it's yeah. not about Sunday morning. It's not, but, it, but here's the thing. Some people would hear that and say, well, you don't care about the church. Mm-hmm. Like you're throwing out the model of the church and, and, you know, making the assumption that the gathered people of God is no longer valid or valuable. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's, that's not true. What we see in the New Testament is this rhythm of temple and home. Mm-hmm. So both of them are super important to the strategy. I think we've overemphasized temple. And so we've got to bring a course correction and teach people how to do this in their homes and in their neighborhoods and in their workplaces. And so it doesn't mean that what happens in the temple no longer matters, but it means that the priorities probably change. And so where if we're relying on experts, I think we've inherited a model that says um, everything happens inside the church building where the expert, the pastor, the professional Christian um, is going to feed all the people. And so the role of the pastor uh, is, you know, to take care of everybody, to feed all the people. And, 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 and completely unrealistic. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. But what that's produced is spiritual consumers who will continue to, to consume all of the wonderful goods and services that we provide yeah. for them. But what we need to teach people how to do is actually take responsibility for their faith, to learn how to hear God's voice for themselves, 
to learn how to dig in scripture and understand the context and teach other people to grow healthy community, uh, to live on mission amongst their neighbors and, you know, their kids, friends and all of the things, um, which actually creates kingdom producers. So there's a culture shift that has to take place. And so it's not that Sunday morning no longer matters, but the purpose changes where now it's a gathered, it's a gathering place for all the missionaries to gather where they can celebrate what God's doing out in the world. They can worship together. They're hungry for God's presence together, but it's also a training space where we can send them back out. Um, you know, where the game is played out there. It's kind of like the locker room. Uh, the game is actually played out there. I, I know you work with all different age groups, um, but can you speak yeah. um, briefly? And then I want to come back with one thing as we start to wrap up, but can you speak briefly about sure. seniors? Because I hear from so many seniors, well, you know, there, you know I'm, I, there's nothing useful I can contribute at this point. And so how do you respond to that? Um, uh, here's the thing. I don't think there's any such thing as retiring in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. I think that, that, um, that, that there, is an, there is a consistent invitation for us to join God in what he's already doing around us until the day that mm-hmm. we die. There is so much rich wisdom and life experience um, that seniors have to offer other people uh, where they can be powerful disciplers. But the other thing that they can do is invest in the next move of God. What we don't want to do is make an assumption that the next generation's move of the spirit or move of God is going to look exactly the same as the way God moved in our generation. So what we have to get really good at is helping helping every generation invest in the next generation and the next move of God. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, you know, it seems to me that we've we've got so much loneliness and we've got these young people who desperately want mentors. We've got all this wisdom in our seniors and somehow right. that we can't connect them. Right. There's something broken yeah. there. And and so so if, if you could, I'd love to hear two more things. We've got two minutes left, Gina. Um, if uh, how do you know this is working? And then how do folks learn out, learn more? Okay. Um, how we know it's working. I feel like some of the things that I'd be looking for is when, uh, when it's not just built around the experts, when we are actually training and releasing everyday people to do the work of the kingdom, where you're starting to see um, followers of Jesus actually living like Jesus, where they're actually taking bold and risky steps that you never would have predicted because it's not about filling them into a volunteer role, yeah. right? And training them for a volunteer role, but actually helping them um, step into the fullness of their identity and purpose. But I think the other thing is we start to see progress looks like people who are far from God are meeting Jesus mm-hmm. in tangible ways through these everyday yeah. people. And they're choosing to follow Jesus, becoming disciples. And we're training them how to reach their family and friends with the good news of Jesus that actually transformed their Amen. life too. Amen. And so if I'm listening, this sounds great to me, um, either for my church or for me individual, or how do I find out more, plug in, what do I do? Absolutely. Uh, you can head over to 3dmovements.com uh, and check out 3DM, all the things that we're doing um, here in New England, across the Northeast and, and um, really across North America. So 3D movements, the number three letter D movements.com. And if you can't find that, go to visionnewengland.org. Our resource page has a connection that you can get them or email me. We'll get you hooked up because this is an important thing. Gina, thanks so much for your ministry and for taking time to be with us today to tell us about it and how we can be making disciples. Appreciate it. 
Absolutely. Thanks. I like also like to thank our producer, Jessica Mangano, and I'd like to thank our listeners. We hope this discussion helps make us better be the people of God who do the work of God, which transforms lives in the world. You can find more resources and past episodes at visionnewengland.org, and you can help us accelerate evangelism in New England by clicking on donate. Our program is brought to you by our friends at the Luis Palau Association, who are dedicated to proclaiming the good news, uniting the church, and impacting cities worldwide. 